it's good to be together here. And uh, for many of you who were there yesterday, some or some of us we heard about uh, Sydney and Austin's wedding yesterday, which was incredible. Uh, what a, a great time! We got to have all of his guys and friends there from Long Beach and some people from here, and it was just really an encouraging time. And there were there were moments there on the dance floor that it was quite interesting. And uh, everybody started jumping up and down, and all of a sudden I felt myself just like backing away off the dance floor, like, okay, this is, number one, it's dangerous, and number two, I don't know what they're doing out there. Everybody's singing words that I can't, I don't, I never heard of, so uh, it was my, that was my cue, and by the time I noticed what was happening, I was all the way standing on the grass out of the dance floor. And uh, But it was just fun to have uh, their friends just celebrating, jumping around. Amory was there jumping around. And nobody got hurt, too, so that, thank you for that, bro. Uh, you know, he could cause some damage there. He's a big boy. So uh, it, nobody was injured, and uh, it was just an awesome day, super uh, fun to see people that love God and love each other and come together. And, uh, you know, when you're at weddings, you've been to a lot of weddings, right? This was a new one for me. And you might have seen this before, but they had the, the unity sand, right? You've heard of that. Everybody's heard of that. But they had two colors of sand, and then they had a third color for God. And so they had three colors mixed together. And I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Uh, a, new, a new twist on the unity sand. And uh, it was really encouraging to see them coming together. And just to celebrate, you know, Ted and Lacey were there. They're just getting dreams and visions for just a few months from now. And he hates when I embarrass him, but that's okay. <laughs> but uh, it was just an awesome time and um, great to celebrate. You could see why Jesus talked about the kingdom of God as a wedding. It's a fun time. Everybody's coming together, having a good time, laughing and just in a great mood. And hopefully you're in that mood today. If not, hopefully the Word of God can get us into that wedding spirit with Christ. And we're, we're continuing our series called Greater Love. As people have mentioned, we're going to be talking about John 17 today. And when I think of greater love, it means that you're growing. This is real deep in your love. Right? You're growing in your love. To grow in your love, you have to want to grow in your love, and you have to take steps to learn and grow. And there's challenge involved. You know, there's 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 effort. There's some things that happen that you're like, man, I don't want to love this person right now. Guess what? That's an opportunity to grow in your love. You know, if you have a roommate or your, your spouse, you know, when you get into an argument, it's an opportunity. You might think, man, this is not a good thing. That's an opportunity to grow in your love, to be able to get closer, to be able to be humble, to be able to learn about one another. And in our midweek this past week, I learned a lot of things. You know, Lamar just started sharing about his quiet time and about everything that he was talking about, loving God and doing the will of the Father, and we're just like, wow, that sounds like a great communion. And he called me the next day. He's like, all right, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And I was like, wow, what what an amazing heart. And then uh, Mari Rodriguez uh, started sharing as we were talking about 
Uh, and happy Black History Month, by the way. We want to celebrate that together. And there was a wise woman in our, our church over in uh, the Lighthouse region of L.A., which is in uh, Covina area. And she is an African-American sister, amazing teacher and, and sister. And she said for her, three things that I look forward to this month. Number one, to learn. Number one, number two, to appreciate the struggle who came of those who came before me. And number three, to celebrate. And I took those words as little nuggets of, man, you can always learn. You can always appreciate the struggle and you can always celebrate those around you. And that's not just for Black History Month. That's for like growing in our love in any time of the year with anybody that we're around. And I hope we have that spirit And one of the things that I learned uh, this past, in our midweek service, was that uh, Mari is related to Pete Brown. Here he is. He was the first African-American to win a PGA Tour event at the Waco Turner Open in 1964. And it was so cool because it wasn't just like this fact that you get on Google, but it's like, yeah, that's my relative. And so it became personal. And I pray that as we grow in our love, that it's not just we're we're learning all these random facts, but it's like personal. This this was my sister that she was celebrating her relative, and we can celebrate with her. And anybody love golf out there? You just got a new trivia question there. And he's he's related to your sister in your church here. So isn't that cool? So thank you for sharing that, uh, Mari. And as we continue out in our series here, this was the theme scripture. And just to think about all the relationships that Jesus was teaching this message in. Sometimes we think that Jesus just went around and he just started just throwing out like fortune cookies, you know, and you open up your fortune cookie and there it is. Greater love has no one than this. No, he did it in the midst of his friendships with his guys. It was in connection. It wasn't just like a random saying. It was like, guess not, not just that people will lay down their life for their friends, but I'm laying my life down for you. Not just that I am a humble servant, but I am, I'm washing your feet. You know, there was a personal connection to everything that he did. You know, You may have been here a few weeks ago and we talked about the orange tree and all the pruning that God does. And, you know, that was throwing the oranges out there to Ronnie and other people. That was a lot of fun. But he was talking about that in the midst of relationships. And like God loves you so much that he is going to prune you, that he's going to challenge you, but it's for your good. It's going to help you grow all those wasted things that you have in your life. He's just going to cut them out. So that you can be more fruitful. Isn't that what we all want to be? We want to bear fruit for God. We want to be uh, somebody that when people look at, they see Christ. Isn't it? That's why I'm here. I hope that's why you're here. At some minute level, when they look at your life, that they could see Christ. And then in chapter 16... As Roy talked about last year, when they started getting sad because he, he, they realized that Jesus is going to die, he said, don't worry, I'm going to send the Spirit to come with you. 
He's going to come alongside you. He's going to carry you through this life. And even when it gets hard, remember, I overcame the world. I already won this victory. No matter what you're going through, it will not beat you down. You're going to win. And what a message. Even though in that moment, I don't think they really understood it. But he was still helping them to see, you know, you're going to re- at, at some point you're going to think about this and you're going to remember Jesus told me that he overcame the world, that I'm not going to get beaten down in this life. And I'm excited about looking into chapter 17 because it is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. And so before we get into it, let's say a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the love that you have for us. I pray that you stir our spirits today. I pray that your word speaks to us, God, that we take away not just a view of Jesus and some great teachings, but we get closer to you, that we know that you're talking to us, that you're giving us an avenue to talk to you through prayer. God, get me out of the way that we can see your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so today it's called Jesus' Prayer and Relationships. To emphasize that he was praying, but he wasn't praying by himself. He was praying with all of his friends. That he wasn't just praying for himself. He was praying for his friends. And he wasn't just praying for his friends. He was praying for his friends that are even here today. And to think about prayer, sometimes we just think about What we need in the next 24 hours, that's what we pray about. I'm so grateful that Jesus wasn't just praying about himself, but really wanted to pull his friends into his prayer. And there's five times in the Gospels where Jesus' prayers are recorded. That's a great study. If you want to go back and look at that, that's pretty awesome. That after the 72 spies came back, it says that he prayed God for opening up people's hearts to the message. Before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed to God. He said, I don't pray because I know you, I don't think you can do this. I pray because I'm grateful that you hear my prayers. And so that other people will believe. In, in John 12, it says that he prays, Father, glorify your name. And God actually answered, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing when you're praying? God just says, okay, take a time out because I'm going to talk back. Sometimes we pray so much and so fast and so hard that we don't like wait for God to talk back. That's why he gave us the spirit so he can talk back to you. That might be a new concept, but try it out. Just take some breaks in your prayer and say, God, I was praying for this. Like, what, what's your answer? And I believe that in a lot of times that God answers us. And I, I've seen that in my own walk. And sometimes I just go so fast, I don't even I miss the message that he's trying to give it to me. It's like when you're talking to someone and they won't stop. You ever been with that person? It's like they're going on. You're like, well, I want to add into there. And then they just go on to the next topic. And you're one more second. And they just go on to the next topic. And sometimes that's how we pray. We just go from topic to topic. And God's like, I want to, well, let me just one second. Can I get a word in? You know, so let's try it. Let's not be that way with God. Maybe he's looking at us and goes, man, you talk too much. 
<laughs> just give it a rest so I can talk back, so you can hear me. And that, that might change your prayer life. And then three times on the cross, Jesus prayed, number one, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The most amazing prayer of forgiveness that anybody has ever prayed. And then he prayed, why have you forsaken me? That it was, it was raw. You know, when it gets raw, God wants us to pray exactly what we're thinking. God, why did you leave me? Like, where are you? What's going on? That was what Jesus was saying. God, you were supposed to be with me. Now, what's up? He was real in times of struggle. And at the end, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. That he was with God to the very end, even to the point of giving up his spirit. And here in John 17, this is the longest prayer by a, long, by a lot. It's, it's longer than all of them probably combined. And I, I found this prayer uh, quote this week from Rick Warren. He said, if it is not worth praying about, then it's not worth worrying about. That's a good rule of life there. I mean, that sounds like a fortune cookie to me, but... If you're worried about something, if you're not going to take the time to pray about it, then you need to just stop worrying about it. Probably a better method would be whenever you start to worry about something, actually pray about it. Every time that thought comes up in your mind, say a prayer. Every time you get anxious, every time you think of that one person that you have to have this difficult conversation with, just keep, every time... That comes up, pray, and God will be there with you. So point number one is glorify. And I'll start reading, and then I'll come back to this here. In John 17, verse 1, it said, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What a powerful prayer that he's praying that he can glorify God. In his final hours. And that God can glorify him. It's kind of a mutual prayer. God, I want to glorify you. And I pray that you glorify me so that I can glorify you. And you got to think about this prayer for a minute. That he is praying about himself as well. I pray that everyone will know you, God, and Jesus Christ. That's him. He's kind of talking in the third person there. But that we can know Christ, whom he has sent. And if you can imagine the Apostle John writing this down and remembering Jesus praying about the glory that he had with God before the world began. I don't know if any of you have seen the the Chosen series. But they kind of allude to that in different times when he's just realizing, like, wow, 
did he, he really said that, that he was with God in the beginning and just for the first time to, I mean, we kind of accept that today, but to imagine him just hearing this prayer and going, wow. I guarantee you he didn't understand that in the very moment. It took him some time to think about Jesus creating the world and having that glory of God. And this term glorify, dohaxo, it's seven, it's used seven times in this chapter. And if you're anything like me, this can just be like a religious word, right? Anybody ever use this word in a sentence outside a church? I haven't. But think about the glory. What that means is to adorn with splendor or praise or extol something or hold something up. And there was another definition that kind of connected with me in a little different way. To hold in honor or dignity or esteem. And to me, that really connected in more of a personal way that he's lifting up God, but he, he's honoring his, his father. You know, he's, he's holding him up like we would maybe hold up. Obviously, God is way above us, but there's that personal connection when, when you love someone and you want to lift them up. And you have an honor and respect for them. And he's saying, in a, in a sense, honor me as I honor you. And to me, that was a prayer that I could connect with. That's what, we, that's what I want to do. I want to honor you, God, as you honor me. Not that I can be this great thing, but I pray that that can be your heart, too, that you want to honor God and you can even pray that he would honor you so that you can honor him. That's a bold prayer. Because a lot of times we're not supposed to pray for ourselves, but he hears Jesus, honor me that I can honor you. And I pray that we can have that heart to honor God. And I, I put the picture of the moon here in glorifying God and in that way that we could somehow reflect God as the moon reflects the sun. You've probably heard that before, right? What I didn't know was... The, the, the ratio of how, you know, this is kind of how my brain works, right? You start thinking about the moon and then you go, well, I wonder how much brighter is the sun than the moon, you know? So I start thinking about that. Take a guess. How, many, how much brighter? This is what I was doing myself this morning. Take a guess. Who wants to guess? Trivia. How many? Ten times. Ten times. Okay. I started at Ten. Anybody else? Thousand. thousand times. Okay, I was thinking like maybe a thousand. Like that seems like a good, good, uh, good number. Anyone else? A thousand and one time. Oh, a thousand and one. Okay, we're on the prices right. You just won. Four hundred thousand times. I was like, wow, four hundred thousand. That just blew my mind. And it started to connect. And I was like, yeah, maybe we are a little bit like the moon. That we're not even close to Jesus, but maybe we could be 400,000 times, one 400,000 times of Jesus. And I, that's really our goal and our prayer is to reflect God. That they, somehow you can look up at, the, at us and say, wow, I wonder what makes that shine. 
you know, I wonder why this regular person has this glow to them or has this effect. Or what Jesus said just a few chapters earlier, I wonder why they have this love so that people could see Christ in you and in me. Glorify God. That was Jesus' prayer. That's a good example for us as we pray to pray that we can glorify God and even be bold enough to pray that he can glorify us. In verse 6, you got to read along or just listen. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Looking at his friends. They were yours. And you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you have given me comes from you. You gave them, I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. But for those you have given me, they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. So he's basically saying that, that in the same way that he is glorifying God, that his friends are also glorifying God. That they're the moon, they're reflecting God's glory. But when I looked at this A little closer, it didn't quite match up too well. As I was thinking about it, I was like, huh, I don't know about this. And that's really, sometimes when you read the Bible, it's good to think, what doesn't quite make sense? That's how people in the old times would read it. The Jewish people would read it and they would, what what doesn't make sense here? What stands out? That here, we just read like, in the same conversation just a little before that they had so many questions. You know, where are you going? And show us the Father. And how come you're not showing yourself to the world? And Jesus is telling them they're going to betray him. And they're saying, no, we're not. And he says, well, yes, you are, but that's okay. God's with me. And, you know, wash my head and my hands. And, you know, they would. But here, what does he say? He says that you're. They've obeyed my word. They've accepted me. They knew with certainty that I came from you. I'm like, wait a second. Like, five minutes ago, they weren't too sure. (laughs) I don't know what happened, like, in the last five minutes, and now they're sure, but two, five minutes ago, they weren't sure. The fact was, they, they weren't sure yet. They weren't sure till after the resurrection. You know, they weren't sure until they... They got the Holy Spirit. They weren't sure until they went through a few trials and they made it through. And they said, yeah, we really do stand with Jesus. And I appreciate the fact that it didn't make a lot of sense. Because a lot of times it doesn't make a lot of sense for me either. A lot of times, God, you know, I feel like he looks at us and he says, well... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how sure they really are. <laughs> you know, did they really accept my words? I mean, do they really accept it? Or just when it's easy or when it's hard, they're not so sure. And when it's easy, they're good. And 
Just that kind of grace that Jesus had for them is reflected in this. That even with all of their doubts and all of their shortcomings and their issues, he still sees them and the faith and love that they have for him. He sees them in a relationship. He's not seeing them as perfect. He's seeing them as, these people love me. These people gave, they, they gave their lives for me. They're not perfect. They're, they're kind of messed up at times, honestly. But they, they still love me. And that's the relationship that God wants with us. We can walk around feeling like, well, I'm, I'm full of doubts and I'm not sure. And maybe God's mad at me and he, he was mad at me today. But yesterday he wasn't because I had a really good day then. And when you give your life to Christ, he loves you. He sees you. You accepted my words. You followed my ways. You still fall short. But guess what? I cover that too. And I pray that as disciples that we don't live in that world of works and perfection and always down on ourselves and all, always looking at the, the, all the negative things that we're doing. That's not what here. That's not what that says. It says, man, you accepted me. You love me. You're committed to me. You've given your life for me. Yeah, you've fallen short, but we've all fallen short. And I pray that your walk with Christ can be glorifying him in spite of your doubts and your questions and your issues and your sins and all those things that affected these 12 guys. They messed up in so many ways. And yet we look at them and we go, man, they're incredible. Ah, not really. They're incredible because of Christ. And we look at each other and say, well, I don't know. You're, I don't know a lot about you guys. And because of Christ, you're incredible. I didn't even have that in my notes, but I hope you can accept that. <laughs> accept those words from this scripture. Point number two, protection. I gotta get moving here. Protection. I, some, some reason about this, he, the next section, he prays about protecting them. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I love that line. So they might have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but you would protect them from the evil one. And there was something about this idea of protection that Jesus was praying about here. And I call that the next theme of this prayer. And I love that idea of being protected by Christ. That he's like a strong wall around you and you're just like, okay, bring it on. And anybody that comes up against you just gets demolished. I mean, that's a good feeling. I like the feeling anyway. That we're protected by Christ. That we're safe. That we're secure. And I think we need that. 
But as I started looking into this word protecting, again, I started thinking about it. Were they really protected? Every one of these 12 guys died for their faith. It wasn't like they just always had this wall of protection around them, and so whenever it got really hard, they could just push the Batman button and just like go through the crowd. That when each one of them, God said, okay, this is your time, and they died. So really, in my mind, that's not really good protection. Right? When I'm in the, when I feel protected, I don't want to be like, well, you're protected, but every once in a while, they're going to come through and you're going to be killed. I'm like, I don't like that. That doesn't work too well. That's not my, my idea of a good time. And I started looking into this word, and the word doesn't mean protection like we think of protection. The word means to keep them in your name. So he's praying not that they would keep them always safe, that everything, nothing bad would ever happen to them. But he's praying that you would protect them and keep them in the faith. That whatever happens to them, there's going to be some bad things. Jesus even said it in the same passage. But whatever happens, guard them. And the word means to attend to them carefully. Give them exactly what they need. Help them to make it through faithfully. Because this is not the end of the journey. This is not the goal. He says we're not of this world. Keep them safe and close to you. I'm not worried about always rescuing their body. But I'm praying that you will rescue their soul. I pray that we can learn those lessons in our prayers, that we want to pray for our bodies to be healed, but we want to pray that our souls are protected, that we're close to Jesus to the very end. Amen? Amen. Jesus prayed for that protection. Next, he prayed that he, they would be sanctified, and I use the word holiness because I didn't sanctify it again, not a word I use regularly in, in conversation. But to be holy, to be set apart. The word holy, uh, sanctify means to renew the soul. So he's praying that you'll be renewed, that you'll be strengthened, that you'll be purified, that you'll be forgiven. So he's praying for our forgiveness. He's praying that we would be made holy, that we would be set apart by God. And that's a lot of the work of the Holy Spirit and grace to help us to grow and to help us to continue to be renewed. And he says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What Lamar was talking about earlier, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may be truly sanctified. That Jesus purified himself for us, that we could be truly made holy before God. That was his prayer. To be righteous. To do the right thing, God. 
for forgiveness, for renewal. Pray that as we pray for one another, that we're praying that we'll do the right thing. That we'll be renewed, we'll be purified, we'll be forgiven. That God will use us, make us holy because of his grace. You can't have effective prayer without grace. You can't have a growth in holiness without the Spirit of God. And finally, probably what we've known this chapter for forever is unity. We've heard the African parable of the sticks where they had a father gave his son each a small stick and they said to break it and they all broke it and then he gave him another stick and he put it all together and he put it, tied a rope around it. He says, okay, now break it. And they couldn't. And that spirit of unity that God wants us to have, that individually we can be broken. But together we have a a spiritual strength. Let's, Let's read this part of the passage here. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, including us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory. The glory you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That in our prayers, God wants us to pray for unity. He wants us to stay together and connected. And if you've gotten the theme so far, this caused some problems in my mind. So God is a relational God. You have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and they're in relation to one another. And that's something you can think about on your own, that God is relational. That it's not just me and God. It's, it needs to be us and God. It's, it's a we and God. That I have my own faith, but we need each other, that God, even by nature, is relational. That's not what I'm going to talk about here. But the idea that the same unity that... God and Jesus share is the unity that we're going to share. Think about that for a minute. I thought about that for a while. I was like, God, like, this is not happening. Like, they're, they're unified in every situation. Their, their heart, mind, soul, everything. I'm like, God, how are we going to have that? I'm like, God, we can't agree on a lot of anything, hardly. We can agree on the big things, but I just started thinking about a small thing. And this is kind of tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, in our household, my wife likes the 49ers, and I like the Dolphins. Right? So how do, the, how do we be, how are we unified in our household as Jesus is with God in our household when the 
Niners play the Dolphins. Like, how does that happen? Good thing that, you know, they haven't played in any game of significance because the Dolphins are so bad that they don't really get to play in any really big games. So I don't have to struggle too badly. But, yeah, we have a few options, right? And Darren mentioned one of them. We can both say, hey, we are never going to watch football again. Right? Because we want to be so unified, we're just going to cut football out of our lives. And some of you are like, wow, I wish we could do that. I hate football. <laughs> That's another story. But anyway, so you can just cut, cut, it, cut football out of your lives forever. You know, when they do play, we can decide, well, are we going to watch the game together? That's awkward. <laughs> right? If, if one of our teams does well, then we're going to want to celebrate. But then the other person's going to get their feelings hurt and probably get a little ticked off that you're celebrating when their guy just dropped the ball. <laughs> and so that's a problem. So maybe we should watch the game separately. You know, so she can watch it in one room and I'll watch it in another room. Or maybe I'll go over to someone else's house and watch it. You know, then we can. But then how is that being united like God and Jesus? Right. I mean, they don't have to like separate so they don't have an argument. I mean, they're always together. What are our other options? We cannot talk about the game. We can both go watch the game and never talk about it. Like before, you can't talk about it. And then afterwards, you can never talk about it. I mean, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, probably the stupidest one of all is we can just not be married that week. You know, like we're just going to have like this planned separation for 24 hours. That's crazy, right? That's stupid. You know, so what are we supposed to do? Oh, I get it. Work it out. We're going to have to be bigger people. And however we watch the game, we realize that our marriage is so much more important than whatever happens in the next 60 minutes. Even though all of our emotions are going to tell us this is the most important game of our lives. You get the point. And you can pray for... uh, for uh, Austin, new uh, Austin Jones, Sydney's new husband, because he is a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and the eyes are diehard Kansas City fans, and they're playing this week in the Super Bowl. So pray for him. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't like Cincinnati, but but the point. The point is, just a minute, I'm, pull, I'm trying to pull this back in. This is so far off track right now. I'm like, I'm not even sure where I am right now. 24 hours after this prayer, Jesus died on a cross. These guys, within hours of this prayer, were all running for their lives. They thought they were going to die. Peter denies Jesus. They're all just depressed and just watching Jesus get beaten to a pulp and dragged up this hill and crucified. And that's what kept them together. 
they realize that that is so much bigger than whatever little things that we have. That's bigger than my little crazy analogy. That's bigger than all the differences that we have in this church. That if we could all watch Jesus be crucified, whatever it was that we cared about would just disappear. And I pray that we can take that to heart because that is Jesus' prayer. That we can't worship separately. That we can't just not talk about stuff. Just ignore the fact that the game is ever happening. But we can recognize the priority of Christ's death. And we can realize that we are all responsible and that's what brings us all together. And when we see how small our differences are compared to what really matters, being with Christ forever, that we can provide an answer to Jesus' prayer. Will we be one like Jesus and the Father? I still haven't figured that one out. But we can be one in that we all hold on to Jesus so tightly compared to whatever our differences may be. That when push comes to shove, that we are sons and daughters of Christ. That we are sinners who have been forgiven because of Jesus. That we've been given the most amazing gift. And whatever things that we like or don't like, that we want to hold on to the most important thing, which is Christ. And on all those other non-salvation issues, what do we need to do? We need to work it out. Figure out how we're going to get through whatever it is that we can still hold on to Christ. Amen. Thank you, guys.